Hello, hockey fans, and welcome to Game Over Vancouver. It is Monday night, November the 20th, and the Vancouver Canucks have defeated the visiting San Jose Sharks 3-1 to in a royal game, you could say, as the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. I don't think I've ever said that before on a hockey stream. They were indeed present at the arena uh, promoting the Inviticus Games that's going to be in Vancouver and Worcester, but we, could, we might talk about that later. I want to talk more about what's happening on the game. So with the game. So before I bring on my guests, welcome. My name is Clay Emo. I'm Canuck Clay, both here on YouTube and across Twitter slash X. And I'm a daily Canucks vlogger. I'm also one of the four co-hosts for Game Over Vancouver. I invite you right before we start right now, I welcome all of you here to like this stream, to also subscribe to SDPN, this channel that you're watching the stream on. We cover all seven Canadian teams post-game shows for all seven Canadian teams. And when they play each other, we actually collab and we do head-to-head shows as well. So I invite you to do that right away. Subscribe now, like the video. Uh, There's uh, already 35 of you in here, which is awesome. There's only five likes. Those of you that watch me, you guys know I like my 50% ratio. So we should get that up to about at least 15 or 20 likes right now. Like the fact that the Canucks won. Like the fact that we can talk about this game. And like the fact that I have an awesome guest coming on. So... I'll tell you very, very, very quickly about him, and then I'll bring him on, and then we will just get going, talking about this game. We're going to talk about the game for the first 15, 20 minutes and and go through some of the key plays. Then I think we're going to spend some time talking about the Niels Hoglander hit and match penalty and whether that's going to result in any supplemental discipline. And then the third segment will be going to you, giving you a chance to ask questions and to me and my guests. So while we're doing that, you're welcome to interact with each other. We encourage you to interact with one another in the chat. Just know that my guest and I, we might be popping in and out of the chat a little bit, but we're gonna we're gonna actually invite you to intentionally leave questions later on in the show. But enjoy the silky, smooth voice of my guest. I've had him on a couple of times uh, last year, both on my own personal channel and here on Game Over Vancouver. He just passed. 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. And you guys know I made such a big deal about it when I passed it. So he deserves a lot of kudos. And I'm pretty sure he's going to pass me by the end of this month. Not that it's a race because we love collaborating with one another. So I invite you, all of you, to welcome my awesome guest, Nick Pinkerton. Hello, Nick. Hey, Clay. It's a pleasure joining you as always. Oh, happy to have you. Also known as Twisted Rister Hockey. Before we get into the game, Tell everyone about this awesome channel that you have that indeed passed 10,000 subscribers earlier this month. Tell us about what you do on that channel, Nick. Uh, Well, thank you. Um, So yeah, my channel's Twisted Rister Hockey, and I cover the NHL season by season. Although I've been making a lot more kind of like historical content recently and just a lot of content for people who don't necessarily follow every single NHL team or aren't as diehard of a fan as a lot of you probably are. But anyway, if you like uh, all things hockey history and culture, then I kindly invite you to uh, check out my channel and um, hopefully we can interact on a live stream over there sometime soon. Awesome. And over there, Nick, I know you do live streams, you do unboxing, you do reaction videos. Like you kind of do a bit of everything on that channel, don't you? Yeah, I I used to do a lot of of (laughs) unboxings, but um, yeah, we've been kind of going in and out of like historical content and doing some live streams we'll do like play-by-play audio uh, especially during the playoffs that of course is just absolute madness and we just like to you know learn more about the fan bases for every 30 for all the 32 teams out there and having done this for a few seasons it's really cool learning things about teams that I didn't really follow as much in the past and just the the faces that I can put to those team names uh, yeah. just the wonderful people from 
all over the world that I've gotten to meet through this. It's been just a hell of an adventure so far. <laughs> that is awesome. So I'm so happy you're here to help me break down this game. Obviously, you know a lot about the San Jose Sharks, and I'll, I'll get you to share with everyone in a second just where that fandom and that history comes from. But you know a lot about Vancouver Canucks um, through just, not me, but through your own watching and your own knowledge of the entire league. So I think this is going to be a very quick 30 to 40 minutes. But before we break this game down, um, a, re a quick word about why why you think, not why you think, why I bring you on to talk about the Sharks in particular. What's your history with that team in particular? Yeah, I mean, I was born uh, an hour south of San Jose and I ended up going to college there. So, mm. you know, I, I've been bleeding teal for a very long time. And, you know, when I really became a diehard, that was the glory years of the Sharks and kind of like the Canucks. What do we have to show for it, except for maybe a couple of future Hall of Famers? So, but, you know, I I stay loyal to my teams. Uh, you'll uh, a very fair uh, sort of justification of that for anybody who follows the NFL. My favorite football team is actually the Minnesota Vikings. So I'm mm. used to, you know, actually having promising runs that uh, go wrong in every single way possible over the years. And uh, yeah, uh, this is my team. I stick with them. And um, there are other teams out there that I, I come to support now and then. But yep, yep. I'm still watching Sharks games, even though we're three, fourteen, and one. <laughs> and I remember, I remember you told me on a previous stream, or it might have been my, one of my last streams, where you you told me that you're a Minnesota Vikings fan. So obviously, I go to Kirk Cousins, and I go to ruptured Achilles, and then I feel sorry for myself, and then it all comes full circle back to you and me. <laughs> is he gonna be okay? By the way. Oh, he's out for the whole year. Okay, so not he's not okay then. <laughs> Poor guy. I know what that's like. Yeah, I, yeah. I do. Sadly, sadly. All right. Speaking of knowing what it's like, tell tell me what you thought about tonight's game, from, just from an overall perspective, from both teams. What did you see? Yeah, I mean, I guess for the Canucks, it was kind of like they were just going about their business. They were generating plenty of zone time, especially as the game progressed, and yeah. that third period was really the exclamation point. So they were able to hold the zone pretty well. Uh, they were able to get things done five on five, get enough done for that. Although the quality of chances wasn't all that great at the beginning. Yep. Later on, as they held the zone more and tired out the Sharks, then they were able to, you know, get in front of the net a little bit better, establish that position. And um, so, yeah, it was pretty much a, just a good rebound for them because uh, I think their, their last game was against the Kraken. Yeah, they, they lost two straight Calgary and then Seattle. Well, there you go. That Then you can't lose to another team below you in the standings. Yep. So, like I said, I thought it was them kind of going about their business. Miller had probably the, the best game out of anybody on that team, except maybe, I don't know, Quinn Hughes had one hell of a shot as well. <laughs> but, you know, on the, on the other side of the things, I thought the Sharks actually looked okay. Um, I, You know, it's just that when you're just hemmed in your own zone so much, yeah. then eventually you're going to get so tired to where the other team can just – you know, globe trot all over you. And that's pretty much what happened. I like the Sharks fight after they were trailing 3-1. Sure. And uh, I think that, you know, there are some positives to come out of that. I thought Tomas Hurdle had an excellent game. I thought William Eklund continues to be the second best forward on this yeah, team. He's good, man. He's good. Yeah, he is. Uh, you know, Couture has been out the whole year. So that's yeah. why I only have uh, Eklund behind Hurdle. And uh, yeah, it was kind of what I expected. I thought that, you know, I came into this thinking, all right, we're probably going to lose this game, but we did have a few days off. And so we actually looked like we had it together for a while there. I thought the first 40 minutes were, 
you know, a, it was just a good game to watch the first 40 minutes. And then, yeah. you know, then the floodgates open for you guys. And yeah. at the end of the day, we just get a little bit closer to uh, Macklin Celebrini. <laughs> Sorry, that, that caught me off guard. Yeah, I would say through 40 and even with that five minute major, I guess it nets out 1-1 one, one because one power play go one shorty. But I, I agree with you, that especially the first um, up until that major penalty, the, the, the teams were playing quite even. And I'm not sure if they said it, uh, Nick, on the broadcast you were watching, but Mackenzie Blackwood undefeated against the Canucks, all with the Devils coming in this game. Thatcher Demko undefeated against San Jose coming in this game. So we knew one of those streaks would end. And I thought Blackwood looked solid, actually. So, uh, you know, I, I wasn't expecting another 10-1 romp. There's no way San Jose's got too much pride for that. The Canucks a little bit more banged up, too, since then. They don't have a full roster. But I truly thought, aside from that Quinn Hughes goal, up to that major, is only one nothing, And so it was a pretty even game. Yeah, for sure. I think that uh, Blackwood has, you know, he's had one heck of a workload to shoulder. Yeah. And for him to, you know, try to regain himself as, you know, a, a night in, night out NHL goaltender, he's, I think that he's just battling his butt off out there. And I thought he played yeah. really well again tonight. Yeah. Uh, he had some rebounds he had to definitely uh, account for as the game progressed. But yeah, it was a strong showing from him. And Demko, you know, oh man. <laughs> I mean, I know he leads the NHL in goal saved above average, but right. I don't think we were able to test him enough. But yeah. there was no, there weren't any cracks in the armor for him at all. Yeah, the go only goal to beat him was a, a really nice shot by Hurdle. Myers was doubled over, but we'll get to that in the slot. We'll yeah. get to that in a second. You know, the other thing I was going to say is, um, I I love how how comfortable you are just uh, with, with your videos. And anytime you do anything, Nick, that ranks all teams, I, I admit, I watch the whole video, but I especially look for where do you talk about the Canucks arena or where do you talk about the Canucks fan base or where do you talk about the Canucks? So uh, where, before the season, where did you have Quinn Hughes in the, you know, in the ranking of Darlene and Makar and Hiskinen and, and Fox? Did you have him among those, those five guys as, you know, the, the new generation of players? Did you have him slightly above any of them, slightly below or uh, basically, I'm trying to get at as his quick start really surprised you. Oh boy, I, I mean, I didn't think it would be this explosive at first. Yeah, but um, you know, I, I've been drawn recently toward somebody like Rasmus Dahlin because the the Sabers are have been horrible forever, and yeah. we thought that they were going to take a step forward this year and perhaps even finish as high as maybe like even third in that division. So I mean, like, I, and I like that the fact that he, you know, is he plays kind of nasty out there yeah. so i've been drawn to him quite a bit and haskin and i've seen him a lot through the playoffs and same thing with mccarr so i haven't been able to watch hughes as much but wow that was a that shot tonight yeah. the, the thing was is that he beat blackwood on the far side of the net that's yes. what was crazy yeah yeah and one thing about his play nick and we we see it because we watch him every single day is he never had the strongest shot but there's a lot of talk here in vancouver about him working on a shot over the summer and what he's added to his game nick is instead of um, a quick pass to the right or quick pass to the left he will he's such a good skater he can juke at least one forward and then come down that left side and and then and then and then or either side but usually his left side because he plays on the left side and then yeah with that wicked with that stronger wrist shot now he's able to pick corners and he's or at least able to to find an open man he he's playing with the most confidence whether or not it's because he's wearing the c or whether he just had enough of this bowl over the past over the past four or five seasons but yeah a perfect example was that first goal um and I, it wasn't even like there's a san jose breakdown on that goal he just um he just outskated the four that was checking him and just kind of went down the the untouched down the side there 
Yeah, Zetterland, I, I think he got caught flat-footed. Mm. It might have been one of those things where his momentum was leaning one way. Yeah. And, but yeah, I mean, on that subject, that that's the one thing about Hughes that has always stood out to me is that he moves, I think, laterally better than any defenseman except for maybe Kale McCarr. Sure. I'll take yeah. that. Yep, I'll take that for sure. And it's it's a beautiful thing to watch for sure. And uh, there's a lot of uh, consternation is not the right word, but they're they're trying to figure out if it's a waste playing Philip Hronick with Hughes because you know you have your best left shot guy with your best right shot guy. But there is a big drop off after Hronick on the right side because it goes Myers and then it's one of Juleson or Friedman right now with no Ethan Bear who's not signed. So you could see why the thought was okay. Do you put Hronick on a different pair and let him anchor his own pair? Or do you put them together? They put them together, and you've seen what Hronick's been doing this year as well, also among the top scorers of defensemen. So let's get now to, um, we'll, we'll talk about the major penalty, the actual bolts of the penalty, nuts and bolts of the penalty in the second segment. But Niels Hoglander takes a five-minute match penalty, so five and a game. It's reviewable by the league, and they call it intent to injure on Kevin LeBanc, who came back for the third period, thank goodness. But it was Sam Lafferty who scores on a, on a bit of an aggressive play by Bluger on the boards and gets to the middle, and Lafferty scores with basically less than a second left in the, in the period. So you could consider that for some teams that would be a backbreaker. San Jose ends up scoring to even it out, but you never want to give up a shorty, and you never want to give up a goal in the final second of a period man it i thought that it was kind of a backbreaker yeah. because you the, of course the sharks had the goal overturned earlier in, in the period which oh great but we know, should thought, we should talk about that let's talk about that first actually sorry nick go ahead yeah yeah what do you think like i said eckland to me has stood out as the second best forward on this yeah. active roster right now so i mean i'm just glad to see that he's making those plays toward the net whereas when i first watched him he was uh you know, he was afraid of like absorbing, absorbing body contact. Although I might be, I might be getting him crossed up here with Zetterlund because I think he was the one who. Yeah, she, made, I'm not sure who it was now. One of those my Swedes mixed up. This what, is this is really not good. One of those you keep talking about. It. I'm going to look it up real quick. You keep talking about it. Okay. <laughs> um, well, anyway, I, I think it was the right call though. I mean, it looks yeah. like you know Demko obviously was moving laterally through the crease, but I still think that there was enough contact to imply that he was still somewhat you know, moved by the skater. So yes, it's, it's not one that I have much fault with at all. If, if any, yeah. you know, the overturning. Yeah. I can't look it up. Uh, I, I trust you. Who do you think it was? Or do you have, do you have a quick way to look it up? Well, it, their last name ends with the Lund. <laughs> one of those Swedish guys <laughs> chat. If you can help us out, tell me who was, a, tell us who is a player skating across the crease that made contact with his leg on Demko's arm sliding Demko to his right, uh, not allowing the... Because who ended up putting the goal in? Oh, I think Eklund put the goal in. So I thought Zetterlund yeah. was the one who made contact with him. Yeah, that um, makes sense. Funny, because Granlund Gran could play with him, too. We could have a, a, a line of Lunds, although Granlund is Finnish. <laughs> yeah, very good. Granlund took a... Did you notice, uh, kind of off topic, but San Jose, they're not afraid to block shots, or Canucks players are not great at uh, getting the putt to the net. I, I counted five or six hard block shots by the San Jose Sharks team. Yeah. I mean, oh God, Ferraro, man, he has been this defenseman his whole career. Yeah. He he takes every stinger imaginable. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And then Granlin took one. Um, who else took one? There's like four or five. Wow. Yeah. Ferraro's was, was quite noticeable. And yes, people in the chat, in, indeed, because Eklund put it in, Zetterlin is the one who... Who went across the crease? Okay, so yeah, we don't want to talk too much about that disallowed goal, but let's. Uh, we were talking about the backbreaker, but then 
they start the third period. Obviously, San Jose is still on the penalty. They still have half the power play to goal, I should say, not penalty power play. And it was uh, Addison taking the point shot. It catches Myers. I think it caught him in the wrist as opposed to the stomach. I, I, I thought it saw it come in the wrist, but obviously that was very painful and I'm not blaming Myers. That, that's why. And Hurdle, before the, the puck barely bounced on the ground, he was able to basically golf it in the net. Really, really skilled play by, by Tomas Hurdle there. Yeah, just one of a lot of great plays he made tonight. I, yeah. I, I especially look at how he started the first two periods. The, the Sharks looked like it was almost like the two teams that swapped uniforms or something i'm like why are we holding the canucks zone to start this game <laughs> yes um but but yeah i mean there's nothing that My- that myers can do there and, and hurdle you're right he's able to elevate yeah. that instantly yeah how's that san jose power play been overall this season you know it hasn't been terrible when mm-hmm. you consider that before kaylin addison arrived what was that not even two weeks ago yeah the sharks didn't have anybody who could quarterback the power play at all. And Addison isn't even doing it all of that. Um, you know, he's not taking ownership of that as much as he probably will as we get later into the season. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's it's actually been okay with, with those parts. It's still, you know, like 24th in the NHL or right. something in that range. But again, all things considered, it could be worse. And, yeah. and the good thing is that Couture, well... I don't know if Couture is going to be actually playing this year, honestly, but if you added him out there, it would look a little better. Yeah. But yeah, it's of course still a shell of what it could have been when Eric Carlson was running the show and you had (laughs) Timo Meyer in front of the net just a year ago. Yes. Who did they, who did San Jose trade away for Addison again? There's another defenseman. Oh geez. Uh, Adam Raska and they might've dealt somebody else there. Yeah. Just mostly a career AHLer. So we got Addison for just about, I think we had to trade away like a like a 2026 fifth round pick. Okay. So for a guy who, yeah, he just didn't see eye to eye with the wild. And mm. guess what? I bet he's probably not the only player right now who is not seeing eye to eye with, with Dean Evison's staff. Yeah. Yeah. Just I, hey, I say, why don't we take a flyer? If we have to cough up a fifth three years from now and yep. give up a prospect who's not even going to, you know, play half a season in the NHL, it's like, right. hey, I'll take I'll take a flyer on that and see if he puts up some points. You can always deal him somewhere else because his contract will expire at the end of the year. Yeah, great point, Nick, about the the draft picks. And I know where do you draw the line? Is it a second? Is it a third? That's when you don't want to be doing. But there's there's this whole I know in Vancouver there's this whole narrative that uh, especially under Jim Benning and a bit under Rutherford as well and, and Alvin they don't really seem to value or they don't hold on to draft picks. But then you do have to weigh well that draft pick may you can't predict it, but it may never ever ever turn out where you have a bonafide NHL player right now, whether it's for one year or for three years, whatever. So I think that's always a trick. Well, that's why GMs, I guess, have to make tough decisions, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Garen's had to make a few of those himself. <laughs> yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, so then uh, Hurdle scores, now it's 2-1, so it's still a close game. But then uh, JT Miller, uh, really, this one was a, an, another nice play by Hughes in the zone. He centers it. It actually goes off Besser to Miller. Miller's able to take a first shot. And then, well, I think he was fighting off the check of hurdle, was able to put it behind Mackenzie Blackwood. Um, any thoughts on that particular goal and what you saw there? I just saw a lot of traffic in front of the net. And that looked, <laughs> that looked different to me than earlier in the game because yeah. the Canucks were able to establish themselves much better and start to at least make blackwood a little bit um i don't want to say second guess but he had to uh, factor that in to a greater extent than when he had a clearer crease and clearer vision uh, earlier right 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 
And then, uh, what do you think after? What do you think of the Sharks' response after that Miller goal? Do you, do you see that they had chances after that? I don't think it was until when it was three-one uh, at that point. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And um, oh, I'm sorry, Miller had made it three-one. Yes, correct. You're right. Correct. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, but but still, like the Canucks nearly came back, and that was the blue the blue girl line was doing more damage. <laughs> after that 3-1 goal and it could have easily been 4-1 yeah uh, and yeah that's when i just really noticed how how winded the sharks looked because they were in their own zone for just about 10 minutes there mm-hmm. even though they, took, they had a few days off before this game right that yeah. that caught up with them when when players were taking you know 75 second shifts in the defensive zone but then later in the game then they they started to show some fights so i i thought that they did um you know when when they were able to to get into the Canucks zone, they started to set up better. They had some they had some good opportunities, but uh, yeah, I mean, hey, at the end of the day, the team that was supposed to win won. Sure, sure. Canucks fans uh, that are in the chat, they'll they'll recognize that Anthony Beauvillier, who's been basically invisible this season, Nick, so far. He got actually promoted to the second line to play with Miller and Besser, and then that bumped Phil Giuseppe down. But with Hoglander out, they basically had to rotate their bottom six forwards uh, of Bluger, Garland, Joshua, DiGiuseppe, and Lafferty. And they, they rotated them through, you know, kind of um, taking turns as as they were down a man. So who does San Jose have next after this? Who do we? I think we, we play in Seattle next. Oh, okay. You're yeah. coming up. You're coming up. Okay. that That's, a, yeah. We're actually, Vancouver's going down to Seattle this upcoming weekend. And uh, we're doing a road trip oh. from, from Vancouver, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, speaking of Seattle, because uh, I know they went to overtime yeah. against Flames. what happened what happened no the flames won in overtime it's just so weird seeing the kraken wow. it kind of regressed back to where they were two years ago yeah yeah actually before we get to the second part and we talk about hoglanders hit a little bit uh yeah tell me your impressions of the the pacific so far just the struggles of edmonton and seattle calgary kind of coming up of course there's san jose anaheim surprising and then the the big three right now of vegas vancouver and la any surprises there for you I mean, I mean, we all have to talk about the Oilers. Yeah. It seems like even right now, it's kind of one step forward, one step back. They yeah. lost to the to the Panthers tonight. Yep. Uh, and and right now, they're only four points ahead of the Sharks. Really? Yeah. It, it, they haven't really moved the needle to get it out of the uh, the doldrums here. <laughs> the Flames have been putting it together better recently, even though from what I've seen out of them, they've been bad. <laughs> Um, the Kraken again have just kind of disappointed me. It seems like they're scoring more goals right now, but yeah, I, I never was trusting in their tandem too much, or at least not going into this year. Ducks have been a good surprise. They might be falling back down to earth. And so, yeah, yeah, there's really clear separation between the top three and the rest of the division, which is disappointing because I thought that there were going to be five teams from the Pacific making the playoffs and just three from the central, but Hey, anything can, it, it can change around a little yeah. bit. You're right. It is still early, and then I, I think I think there's one tweet or one comment you said where uh, correct me wrong. You predicted Canucks. Uh, I'm not. I'm just asking. Like fifth or sixth, right? Fifth, sixth, out of the playoffs. I have to preface this because <laughs> I I picked them the season. You know, last year I said that they would make the playoffs, right? Because right. I was like, God, they're right. They're riding out Bruce. There it is. They're due. You know, and then that was unfortunate to how everything played out there yeah. and talk came in and they had a good record and Demko was killing it. And I was like, I want to pick them, but I just can't. Well, 
Well, thank you for taking one for the team. We're we're fine with that, Nick. Truly, <laughs> taking one for the team. I'm a Sharks fan. I'm, I, we're we're you're taking a lot game yeah. in game out. Yeah, you took you took ten last month. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I know, no. right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate that. Okay, uh, everyone in here, thank you for being here. Over 110 people in here, which is awesome. Nick Nick equals numbers. So make sure that you subscribe to SDPN and make sure you like this video. There's only 20 likes and there's 110 of you in here. We know we got to bump that up. So uh, we're going to spend about five or seven minutes on this next topic and then we'll get to all of you in the chat. So Nick, 18 and a half minutes. So let's go the other way. One and a half minutes left in the second period. A small board battle. You have Bovillier there. You have Hoagland. And Hurdle, not even a dirty shot, just just pushes Hoglander, Hoglander pushes back, and then their legs get tangled, and it looked bad, admittedly, on replay, and Niels Hoglander takes LeBlanc down, basically twists him over. I don't know if it's intentional slew foot, we can get to that, but um, Hoglander's right leg was behind LeBlanc's left leg. They go down, LeBlanc maybe lands on his shoulder or whatever, and Hoglander is assessed, assessed after review. His first major penalty of his career. And I say that not to defend it, not to excuse it. In fact, I'm really curious to see what the chat says and what you have to say. But I, I will say this. Hoglander is not known as a dirty player. Full stop, period. Was that a dirty play? I've seen it on Twitter so much, um, Nick, from guys that play hockey, guys that don't play hockey, guys that talk about hockey, guys that don't talk about hockey. And of course, you're going to have a lot of people defending Hoglander saying, no, it was just a hockey play. Others, including journalists, saying, no, that was actually kind of dirty. I don't know. Do you, any thoughts on it? I know you don't have a dog in the fight aside from, you know, cheering for San Jose, but what do you, you think when you saw it and maybe after you've seen it on replay? Yeah. I mean, usually when I see a slow foot, it's when you, when it's, when the players are in motion, like yeah. when they're coming into the corner. Right. So it wasn't like there was, there wasn't really any, anything leading into that play that made me think, Oh, you know, Hoaglander has this sort of intent or, yeah. You know, I, and I, I found it puzzling how the ref actually ruled it as intent to injure. Because, again, there's nothing about what I see between the interactions between Hoaglander and and uh, LeBanc that, you know, going into it, that, that makes me think that there was some sort of premeditation to this or yeah. anything like that. Um, I mean, it's great that LeBanc was was fine afterward. He, he played the rest of the game, even though I think he was a little bit uh sub uh 100% for that. Mm. But yeah, uh it's something that you make the call but I don't see how this is going to be I've seen worse things get uh I've seen worse I've seen fines dished out by the DOPS yeah. for more egregious plays. Right. Even though nobody likes to see this in in the game, right? Yeah. That's a really good point actually. Yeah, we've seen lesser offenses been fined or suspended. We've seen lesser offenses, uh, or even sorry, great and then greater offenses that have taken less of a penalty. So it, it's kind of interesting. And I know they can't sit there and give you a five minute explanation over the microphone, but I agree with you because to me, intent to injure, like you can still say that that wasn't, um, you know, the risk of sound like a homer. I don't, I don't know how dirty. Uh, maybe it was a bit of a dirty play, but can you? I think you can still slew foot someone without having the intent to injure. I don't know how you separate that though and explain that you know, on a mic over to 18,000 people, but I kind of agree with you. I, I don't think there's an intent. I, I think it's a it's a penalty for sure, but I, I don't know if I see this going more than, um, you know, more than that five minute penalty he got. And let, you know, maybe I'm thinking singing a different tune. You're not supposed to think about this way if LeBanc got injured or if it's, if he didn't come back or whatever it may be. But um, 
I don't know. Uh, to me, it was two guys battling with it with an unfortunate result, but uh, maybe I'm being a bit of a homer there. I don't know. It's so tough to say. I mean, I'm basically agreeing with you here. <laughs> um, I just put in the chat, like, I'd be surprised, even like if the DOPS says, yeah. okay, you were assessed a match penalty for intent to injure. I still would be surprised if they dished out more than a one game suspension for this. Right. right. I, I personally, I think that it will probably. It would probably be a fine if it wasn't called a match penalty. I think mm-hmm. if it wasn't initially ruled that, and yeah. I think somebody else had mentioned something about, well, you know, LeBanc wasn't actually like significantly injured. It wasn't like he was concussed, or it wasn't like he, you know, had his ankle slashed or something like that. So, right. yeah, I, I don't think that there's going to be a, a heavy ruling for for something like this. Yeah, 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 and I can't. Remember, Nick, what happened right after LeBanc went down? Because I don't know if any Sharks players went over to Hongland or tried to beat the crap out of him or if they, they escorted him to the penalty box right away. Like, I, I actually can't remember if there was any kerfuffle at all. Do you? First of all, I love the word kerfuffle. <laughs> thank you, um, thank you. And, and Donnie Brook, of course. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I wasn't watching that at the moment because mm. I was getting my camera set up, but I... It wasn't like from what I saw on, on X, for example, it wasn't as if Sharks fans were saying, oh, God, our team is so gutless for not sticking up for LeBanc. I'm sure mm-hmm. that there was probably some contact there, but the chat can probably elaborate that on uh, yeah. elaborate on that a little bit further. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Well, hey, friends, so as we wrap up this chat about the Niels Huglander hit on Kevin LeBanc, start getting your questions into the chat, and Nick and I will pick a few of them out to wrap up the stream as we move towards our third segment. So um, anything else that stood out to you, it doesn't have to be about the hit, uh, about the Sharks' performance in particular in this game that we haven't touched on yet as people start to get their questions in, Nick. Well, I'd like to think that at this point, the Sharks might be out of the woods of surrendering 10 goals in back-to-back games. Mm-hmm. They do. They've looked better since then. Again, it's it's a horrible roster, but that was by intent of Mike Greer just because of the salary cap situation that yes. the Sharks have been in the last few years from the previous regime. So I, it's unfortunate because we, even though we're losing, it's like, we're not losing in that many games that I I'm excited to watch. This, this one though was a good, a good level of competition from the sharks. And so I, I can be satisfied with that, but we're not exactly getting treated to the five, four games that we saw last year with Eric Carlson putting up a hundred points. But my question <laughs> for you would be, yeah, when does Quinn Hughes hit 100 points? I think it's only a matter of when at this point. They showed a graphic on the Vancouver broadcast, Nick, of uh, fastest Canucks players to 30 points. And I remember a guy named Tony Tanti who played for the Canucks. He was number one at 17 games. Then they had Quinn at 30. Alexander Mogilny at 21 games. Uh, sorry, Quinn at 19 games. Mogilny at 21. And Pavel Bure, the late, uh, not late, the great Pavel Bure at 22 games. So, He's ahead of guys like Mogilny and Bure. He has 30 and 19. So extrapolated, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to get 120 points. That's what he's on pace for. Does he get 100? I, you know, before the season started, I predicted 80, a point a game for him. But he already has 30 and 19. And God forbid a serious injury. Um, well, I, I don't I don't know if he keeps up this pace, especially as it starts to tighten up a little bit as they, you know, teams start jockeying for playoff position in the new year and things like that. But um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how you can bet against him getting 100. He's just playing with such supreme confidence right now. What did Carlson end up with last year? 101. Yeah, he had 25 goals and 76 assists, I okay. want to say. Or so, 26 and 75. Right. But basically one to three, uh, three to one there. 
Yeah, and- his his point his pace was a lot higher. Uh, but then they traded Timo Meyer, and he was just a little bit under a point per game after that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, it made that much of a difference. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, I'll, I'll go on a limb. I'll say 30. You know, I'll say Quinn slows down a little bit, but he could, I'll say he finishes 102. <laughs> I don't know. You have a prediction? <laughs> Do you have a prediction for Quinn? Uh, I said know, 102. I'll go, I'll go 104. Okay. How about, how about that? There we go. We heard it there. Uh, Nick goes 104, I go 102. We'll, we'll split the difference, and collectively, we say 103. Fangirl has a question for you. Uh, what's up with Vlasic? Yeah, that, that's actually news to me. Um, I Because he had been scratched for, uh, for a couple of the games, yeah. but it wasn't because of injury. It was just because he just hasn't been playing all that well. So I actually don't know about that. Mm, yeah, that's news to me, too. Uh, obviously, uh, one of the old guard there. Um, okay, we'll 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 get back to that one. It says uh, Rain says should Vancouver acquire Zadora or Tana to ease the minutes for Hughes and Hronick? The defense doesn't look the same with Susie out of the lineup. Yeah, you might know um, uh, Nick that Susie's out for six to eight weeks. They haven't moved him on LTIR yet, but they will because you can always go retroactive. So he's been out for two weeks already. And yeah, it it the Canucks defense thins out a little bit. Both Hughes, uh, sorry, both Tanev and Zadorov are on. Uh, the last year of contracts. I don't know if Calgary wants to trade within their division. I don't know if you've been following this story at all about the Calgary players wanting out. And of course, uh, the Canucks fans love Hughes. Do you have a, sorry, loves Tanev. Do you have any thoughts about that, whether they go to Vancouver or anywhere else, either of those two defensemen? Jeez, if, if you had one of them in a lineup already of uh, Carson Soucy to complement yeah. the offensive skill set, then you would have, you'd have uh, a pretty strong uh well, I don't know if uh, Susie would play with if Susie played with Tanev because then you'd have a righty and a lefty. So then that would yeah. be a pretty good top four. Yeah, um, and their cap hits aren't—they're uh, not all that steep. You could always, you know, call us up and we can help uh, broker broker <laughs> the deal. You know, we we've got a few million left in salary cap. I'm gonna pass your number on to Patrick Alvin. For sure. Mr. C37 is wondering what happened to Logan Couture. Can you talk about his injury or what he's dealing with? Yeah. All I know is it's some sort of lower body injury. And it, mm-hmm. it this happened, I want to say, maybe about three weeks or so. Well, maybe a little bit more than that. Four weeks yeah. uh, before the regular season started. And there wasn't like a you know, definite return for Couture. It was kind of a week-to-week thing. And when you hear that, you're like, oh, that can't be particularly good when you hear that in the NHL. Um, and there was no update on on him so much over the first week or two. And so when, when the regular season got underway and, and I thought, oh, this is not good. And, mm. you know, then he had like a, I, I can't remember if he had a setback, but when I heard, you know, some sort of update about that, I thought this is w- something where the team is already just, done like the season like they're they're gonna be even worse than they were last year yeah is there any point in putting him on the ice you right know? right and he had a nice uh he had a good year last year um compared to like the previous year or two so it's yeah. like it sucks to to have him out of the lineup he was scoring goals last year and he is the team's captain it's it's unfortunate for sure yeah and then it's still popular among the, the san jose fan base i presume just because of how good he's been um, not not quite to where like uh, Tomash Hurdle is just because of sure. his personality or Brent Burns, but uh, Couture, you know, he's uh, he's been a fantastic producer in in the in the clutch. Mm-hmm. He's clutcher is 
we sometimes call him. You know, I, I think that he'll he'll be a little bit of an unsung hero compared to some of the other like legends on our team. But no, nah, he's 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 been a great player for for the course of his career. It's just that he he kind of like you know somebody like Mario Ferraro, uh, like you saw tonight, could sure. Yeah, he is always in the line of fire. He he's had his <laughs> jaw wired shut. You know, he's had knee problems. He, like he he's a warrior. You know. Yes. Awesome. Carol was asking. Uh, Carol, longtime watcher, viewer, game over Vancouver. She just wants to know: uh, Do you anticipate a, a Sharks winning streak anytime soon? So their next three, you're right, are against San, uh, Seattle on Wednesday, and then they have at home Montreal, and then these very same. Vancouver Canucks some winnable games in there though maybe maybe um, <laughs> I, I think that with them is it's can you can you get the puck out of your zone and not just be one and done in the other team's zone mm-hmm. you know the Sharks they're a team that just with how uh depleted they are with offensive talent you know they need to score goals off of turnovers like they generated some chances in this game from from turnovers and there were times when they held the zone when i didn't expect them to yeah uh but i mean you have to hope that hurdle and eckland and i like i like zadina just fine i know zetterland has some goals but i mean that that's that's all we have after that who's gonna score 10 or 15 goals i, I can only name a couple players who might score 10 and they don't draw a lot of penalty, or yeah, they don't draw a lot of a lot of penalties either. Even right. if they had a pretty good power play, yeah, it's not like they're getting that many chances out there. So they still have some progress to make, but I still think that they look much better than they did at the very beginning of the season. I think that the goaltending has, you know, certainly worked its butt off. Yes, but tonight we saw that that for the first forty minutes, the Sharks did a good job of containing the types of opportunities that the Canucks got. So yeah. build build on top of that, and hopefully. Find it, find a way to, uh, you know, get maybe one other player up up the ice a little bit sooner, you know, for for a chance to you know create an odd man rush. Well, well said. And lastly, um, Nick, I, I want to ask you. So, along with Eklund, is there any other San Jose Sharks player that Canucks fans should just kind of keep their eye on for either breakout season or someone who's kind of underrated or flying over to, under the radar? Or, is going to be a future star because we're going to be playing against the Sharks two more times this That's season. True. Yeah, so we, I'd love to know if you have any other thoughts of players to look at for sure. Well, yeah, I think Eklund's been yeah. the standout of our young players on the roster right now. You know, our best pro- our best prospects, you don't really see them on the ice with the San Jose Sharks. Some of them are with the Barracuda and some are not even at that level just yet because they're, yeah. they're still playing junior or they're still playing overseas. Um, but uh, like Kalen Addison, we did talk about him earlier. I think that, you know, as he becomes more acclimated to the Sharks, he's going to have a larger role this season specifically with, for example, quarterbacking the power play and just generating some more shots from the blue line because we really just haven't been doing that very much this season at all. So I think that Kalen Addison, number 33, is one of them. Awesome. And um, I I I would love to see Philip Zadina just stay in the top six because yeah. I I do like what I see from him number eighteen, and uh, you know somebody who was a what a sixth fifth or sixth overall pick five years ago, and uh, I was trying to say, you know if he's able to have a little bit of consistency when it comes to producing getting on the, the score sheet and that's not easy with this team but if somehow he's able to do that at some point uh, like he was to start out this year. Then yeah, you could see a player who 
not only gives gives himself a chance of being a regular NHLer, but has a chance to maybe do that on another team in the Sharks to get some trade value out of that. So yeah, yeah. it's we're we're scraping the barrel a little <laughs> bit here, but uh, I'm just keeping it honest. I love it, Philip Zidina, infamously known for being the picked right before Quinn Hughes in the 2018. NHL entry draft. Finally, finally, I love this question from Rain. Let's do this last one and then we'll wrap up. Who's the, give me one, the most likely San Jose Shark player to be traded at the deadline. Well, it's interesting. Uh, DEL uh, points out in the chat, Blackwood to the Oilers. You know, the numbers aren't going to indicate that Mackenzie Blackwood is some otherworldly goaltender who's better than Stuart Skinner. But really, when you watch how much under siege this guy is, and he made all the saves that he needed to tonight, and he's stood on his head for some of these nights. He only has one year left on his deal after this year, and I think it's at like $2.5 million. So, look, if the Oilers, if they want to send us some good draft picks because their prospect pool isn't the deepest right now, the Sharks, and I said earlier, can actually be a good broker with the salary cap so yep. they can make things work for Edmonton <clears throat> if need be. So, I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, put it past us to uh, see his name floated out there. Yep. Although you you also have somebody like you say Soros on the market, so that was a good pick with Blackwood. Uh, you know Zadina. I was bullish on on as soon as the season started, but even so, I wouldn't rule him out entirely. I've liked Nico Sturm as a shark. He mm -hmm. could be maybe dangled out there as like a fourth line center, which is kind of what he played with the Avalanche when he won the Stanley Cup. Those are yeah the first names that jump out at me but for somebody like hurdle or couture if he was healthy you know vlasic he his contract has just aged very poorly it's yeah. not like you're, you're gonna see like a a long time san jose shark be traded i don't think gotcha and lastly shannon i did see your questions shannon is asking you if you miss joe thornton and his beard at all <laughs> I, there's a lot i miss about when joe thornton was uh on the ice for the sharks absolutely yes. you know it's uh, the the era has just you know, it's just yeah. uh, faded away very slowly with, yeah. you know, there's like Thor, it was like Thornton left or Marlowe. Had Marlo. left Pavelski. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Then it was Burns. Then it was Timo Meyer. Yeah. Was, yeah. So it's like, I'm, I'm seeing this slow burn that the Blackhawks had to go through that the Red Wings had to go through too. Yeah. And it's just, it sucks when you just don't have that one Stanley cup that you can say, Hey, you yeah. know what? These eight years that, you know, it's going to take for us to be relevant. Like, it was worth it because we got that one, you know, yeah. we don't have that. We don't, we can't say that. So, I mean, we always have something we can relate to. Yeah, brother. I know the feeling they say misery loves company. I love being with you. It's not miserable at all, but Nick, thank you for being here tonight. Uh, where can uh, everyone follow you and your good work? Yep. So I'm here on YouTube, Twisted Rister Hockey, and I'm also on X. I'm on Instagram. I'm putting some of my stuff out on Spotify as well. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, I know I can speak over uh, on behalf of the entire Game Over Vancouver audience and, and thanking you for just your expertise, for who you are, and just for always being so uh, willing to, to come on the show, especially with me, and just, just chat about our, our two teams that we love and follow so much. So once again, Nick, thank you. Before um, I say bye to you, we'll say to everyone, uh, thanks for being here, you guys. Um, make sure you subscribe to SDPN on your way out. Make sure you subscribe to Nick on the way out. You can like this video. And if you're not sick of Canucks talk, the Vancouver fans in here, I'm going to still be doing Canucks After Dark with Parker after this show concludes. So lots of Canucks content tonight for all of you. But Nick, once again, thanks for being here. And to everyone else, the next show is Wednesday night. The Canucks are playing a good challenge in Colorado, playing against the Colorado Avalanche. And speaking of Parker, Parker, 
has the next show here for Game Over Vancouver. He'll be behind the mic on Wednesday night, so make sure you make plans to join him then. Once again, thanks on behalf of Nick, on behalf of me and the entire SDPN team. Thank you for being here. Take care of yourselves and have a great night. Good night, everyone.